Curtin Cade Mornings weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. here on Moody Radio Florida. Here's today's moment from the show. I am really excited to have Al and Susan Henson with us from Compassionate Hope. You know, no one is too lost or too broken. And we're going to be going to some dark places as we share some stories. But it's in those dark places where the light of God's love really does shine the brightest. And the gospel is on display in these places. And they've got a book out that just is filled with wonderful stories, true stories, of what God is up to, breaking invisible chains. And so, Al and Susan, thank you guys for being with us this morning. How you doing? It's great to be with you. Awesome. It's always good to connect with Moody. Oh, oh, that was nice of you to say that. That makes us feel good. It's like making us smile. Well, let's talk about um, Compassionate Hope and and the beginnings of this ministry. There's always a story behind the story. I've been involved in missions in Southeast Asia for over 40 years. About 10 years ago, my heart became even more broken for the children especially those that are involved in human trafficking and sex trafficking in Southeast Asia. So Susan and I took a step of faith and we uh, uh, founded Compassionate Hope Foundation to build homes of hopes and village of, of hope for these rescued ones and bringing them into the power of God's love and gospel and care and provision. Just amazing, as you were sharing a minute ago, how powerful the gospel works in the darkest of places. Mm. Yeah, you know, Al, I think we like to think that there are only a few people who would abuse children this way and uh, will find them and put them in jail. But it's a huge business, isn't it? Unfortunately. Yes, it is, uh, especially in Southeast Asia. Uh, Just specifically taking one location, the Philippines, for example, uh, we, we call them the OSEC children, online sexually exploited children. The Philippines, because of their English language and poverty and lack of education, et cetera, and opportunity, it is, it is the number one nation in the world for this atrocity. And if you, the number two nation is Mexico, but the Philippines is 16 times larger than Mexico. So every time a child is abused horrifically in this way in Mexico, 16 are abused in the Philippines. Oh, boy. Susan, um, when you guys were beginning this outreach, how was God leading you to take these steps? Because so many times when we think about an issue like this, God does give us a burden, and that's one of the ways that he leads us. And then, of course, he opens doors, but it can be so overwhelming. And my guess is you have to just follow his leading step by step because the problem is just so big. Uh, yes, the problem is huge, and like Al said, um, you know, there's thousands and thousands of children being abused every day, but what it did is we were walking in the midst of this darkness, and we saw the pain and the suffering. We knew we had to do something, and um, so we now um, have rescued over a 1,000 children just in the last um, uh, 12 years and uh, brought them into our Homes of Hope. We have 57 Homes of Hope in three different countries. And um, but the beauty is, is that, um, yes, we do see the pain and the suffering of what they're going through. But the beauty is we get to see God's redemptive hand of what he does in their lives when they're brought into a a safe place, a place where they can 
feel like they're their family and their home and we get to see the redeeming grace of God step into their lives and change them and transform their hearts and only God can do that from the inside out and that's what that's what really is the joy that keeps us going how do they end up connecting with your ministry, the Homes of Hope and all of that? Do people bring them? Um, do you have workers who go out and, and get them and pull them out of very uh, bad situations? How does that work? Well, most of, the children are, yeah, most of the children are brought in to the home through um, other organizations like uh, IJM, International Justice Mission, mm-hmm. um, the police situation where they're able to go in and rescue them. But we do have um, major connecting uh, churches, and when they'll see a situation, then they will contact us. We have neighbors. We have such a good reputation in the area that people do bring them in. Sometimes it's their own families that are bringing them in. Uh, we had one situation in Thailand where her daughter was being trafficked by her own father, and um, and it, it actually was even with the mafia. And so the the mother brought her in secretly and, you know, gave her to us for a place that she would be safe. So it, it's all different, every situation. But, um, you know, we have over 850 children right now in our homes. But one of the things that we do with our kids is that we take, we have a promise that we'll take them all the way through the university or Bible college um, or a Votech in order for them to have a chance for a different future. So we want to love them all the way where they really can um, rise above their circumstances. Wow. And that's mm-hmm. better than our foster care system where mm-hmm. 18, you just age out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Wow. Well, I know that you guys have stories that you want to share with us. Uh, the generalities, we've kind of addressed that. You know, what is the problem? What is the issue? But it's when you attach a real true story to a situation. That's when it really pierces your heart. Susan, you go first. Uh, share a story uh, that really illustrates the work that that you do. Again, I know it's hard to choose just one uh, or two, but I thought I'd give you some time to, to maybe choose one or two. So you go first. Oh, wow. It is hard to just choose a few because uh, we've walked life with these children and uh, they are they are so much a part of our hearts. Um, but the first one that comes to my mind um, is the story of Ning. Um, you actually can be able to see the video that we have uh, if someone would like to go back to actually to Revive Our Hearts on January the 11th. Um, I was on staff with Revive Our Hearts for nine years, mm-hmm. and they sent their media team with us uh, and captured Ning's story and did a documentary. And so that aired on National Human Trafficking Day on January the 11th. So if you go read the transcript, at the bottom is their video. But Ning um, was raised in a very poor um, home. Her father was an alcoholic and lots of threats uh, to her and her family. And, um, and her way of escape was school. But then in fifth grade, she was... Um, abused by um, every afternoon for two years by her fifth grade teacher, who, who was also her, her uncle. And um, he, she was lots of threats. Um, eventually at 12, um, her family found out and 
was shamed by this, and so they left and went to Bangkok, Thailand, and falsified her papers and labor trafficked Ning um, into uh, working there in that candy factory. Well, the boss there knew that they had falsified her papers to make her older so she could work there and took advantage of that and threatened her um, by abusing her, uh, not only her boss, but the boss's son from the age 12 to 16. And eventually at 16, she was, um, she told her mom and her mom uh, went and confronted the boss and they both were put in jail. And then her father had to bail him out and use the money. And he, then he um, really just shamed her and saying, you know, we lost all of our money because of you. So he, they ended up coercing her and selling her to a man here in America hmm. and as a child bride. Hmm. And then the abuse that she faced there was just horrific. But eventually um, she was taking ESL classes, English as a second language, and there was a Christian lady there and began to pour life into her. Eventually, we were a part of helping her get rescued back to the um, to Thailand in a very secret way. And she was taken in, and it brought into the home of one of our pastors. And there she found the love of Christ and God just transformed her. But really, Al was the one who was able to step in and really begin to mentor her every time he was in the country. And then, but one of the questions he asked her, what would you like to do with the life, with your life, with all that you faced? And that's when she said, I want to help other girls um, be able to not go through what I went through. And I want to help rescue other girls. So she's now one of our um, amazing house moms. And she has 10 beautiful girls. And um, so her story is a story of redemption. If there was ever a story that was likened unto Joseph in the Bible being sold by her family over and over again, that's what you would find. But the beautiful thing is, is that when she, her life was transformed, she was able to forgive her her family and just like Joseph did. And, and you know, she said, you know, I forgive you. And she said, look, God has saved me. And now he's helping me save others. Um, so I think there's there's just a beautiful story of redemption. <clears throat> and redemption means to buy back that which was lost or forsaken or that which was caused by our sin or by the sin of others. And I think when you read and see Ning's story, if you watch the video and see her joy as she loves on these kids, you will see that you get lost in the wonder of what God has done and who he is when you see how she pours her life into these girls and teaches them how to pour out their life and their hurt and their pain to be redeemed by the blood of the lamb and to be, um, be set free. So you get to, you literally, when you watch the video, you get to see um, chains broke. And when you see the video. Al, when it comes to, oh boy, they've been through so much, these these kids, uh, these folks that you're helping, um, do you have to overcome uh, a bewilderment, a confusion, an anger at God uh, as they are trying to process this? And they're like, how in the world can this God that you're telling me about, this Jesus that you're sharing with me, how can he be loving when he allowed this to happen to me? Mm -hmm. And if so, 
those hard conversations, um, which I'm sure you've had, how do you approach them? What does that look like? Uh, thank you, uh, Kurt. The, uh, you know, I've, I've looked into the eyes of some of these boys or girls that have been rescued. And it's almost as if they're blank, hopeless. Uh, and all, it's almost as if they have no soul. And when they come to us, uh, often they're wedding beds. Uh, they won't eat. They're suicidal. Sometimes we have to have night watches with them. And uh, it, it's amazing to me the power, though, of love. Uh, and when they come and they find a safe place, they begin to think, I'm actually safe here. And then, as God said, by this all men shall know that you are my disciples, by the way you love one another. I believe that God has given each one a capacity to understand love. So as we begin to love them and to share that this is actually the love of God and the way God loves uh, through us, that combats the lie that the enemy has taken all of the trauma that they've experienced and tried to convince them that God is not good. When they begin to experience love, they think, oh, is God actually like this? And we begin to explain to them that evil that has come against them obviously is not their fault. They often think this was my fault. Uh, but evil that has come against them was not God, but rather it was uh, sin and the carnality of man and uh, the enemy that was behind all of this. And slowly, as they receive love, uh, they begin to believe. They hope, and then they begin to believe. And, and if God has taught me nothing through life in the kingdom, that is the power of how love can begin to tear down lies and tear down uh, walls. And because fear is what builds those walls mm. and, and shame, as you begin to embrace them, speak of their value, speak of who they are, begin to treat them that way that begins to break down those barriers for them to begin to believe that God loves them. And then they can begin to believe that he died for them and the power of the gospel. And sometimes, uh, Kate and Kurt, when we talk about the power of the gospel, we need to understand that gospel is just the avenue by which brings Christ to us. And to receive him is to receive God himself to come and live in us. And as he comes to live in us, that's where Healing comes, a new life begins, a new way of thinking, a new way of feeling, a new way of thinking and feeling about ourselves, and a new way of thinking and feeling about life and future and circumstances. The power of the gospel is that God brings Christ's life into our lives and into the lives of these abused, hurting, deeply wounded, precious children. Mm. Well, that's yeah. It's awe-inspiring. Yeah. It really is. You know, it's it's so encouraging. Okay, so Al, um, do you have maybe a story that you'd like to share with us, something that's on your mind here this morning? Yeah, about a thousand of them, but I'll choose one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, tough, I know. There's a, I'm going to change her name, but we call her Ellie. And one of our key partners is Tim and Demi Tebow in the Philippines. And so Ellie's story is in the Philippines. At nine years old, Ellie was excited to go over and be with her aunt. But after being there a day or so, her aunt woke her up in the middle of the night and said, hey, uh, I want you to do something. Go into the other room. There will be a man on the 
uh, on the uh, computer screen and do whatever he asks you to do. He's a nice man. And so she did. She came back to her bed an hour or so later in shock. Had to get up the next morning and go to school. And she talks about how that slowly this process began to make her two-faced Ellie. And by the way, she wrote a lot of her journal and some of the thoughts are being pulled from her own journal. But she thought, well, soon I will go back home and I will be okay. She went back home to her mom. She thought, I'm safe now. But then within a day or two, mom woke her in the middle of the night and asked her to do the same thing. And this occurred from her age of nine to the age of 14 until she was rescued uh, into uh, our village of hope. And in the village of hope is there where she found love. And through her journals, ultimately, she found Christ. And I'm going to ask Susan to help me with this story because Ellie writes a poem that will just touch your heart. And Susan, if you, if you could, maybe she can't hear me, but uh, if she's listening, if you could read that poem that Ellie wrote called Rescue Me. Um, Susan, would you do that? Sure. Um, Ellie would, um, she would talk often about how she would put on this dark mask at night to cover her dark soul. And then she would put a mask on in the morning of I'm okay, Ellie mask to go to school so that she could pretend that everything was okay. But eventually that darkness just filled her soul and um, she um, even wanted to die. But this is the story that she wrote that she says that uh, the words that ran through her mind and heart over and over every night, but it is called Rescue Me. Rescue me. Help me. Monsters are chasing. Can't you see? Monsters are whispering. Can't you hear? Monsters are shouting. You're nothing. Can't you feel my pain? Monsters are pushing. End it all. Just jump. Can't you hear all the whys I'm asking? Monsters are laughing. <laughs> You're all alone in this darkness. Can someone please rescue me? And that is when Ellie eventually was able to be brought into our homes of hope. And like Al said, the love of Christ just filled her. And she really discovered what true love really was. And one day on that glorious day as she met with my son and daughter-in-law who are the directors of our Homes of Hope there in the Philippines and lead this incredible ministry for these children, as she was able to sit with them that glorious day, she, um, the, the God came in and rescued her from her, her sin and her shame and her pain. And Jesus became her true rescuer and healer of her soul. And became her redeemer. And not only was Ellie rescued that, that day when she was brought into the home, but the real story is also the fact that we're the only homes in the Philippines that take in sibling groups. Mm-hmm. And so we rescued um, her two sisters as well as her three cousins. And the youngest child ever rescued from OSEC, Online Sexually Exploited Children, was Ellie's 25-day-old little cousin. Mm. And now they are all safe and growing and loving Mm. 
um, the Lord. And uh, Ellie is now a part of helping be a voice to the voiceless. But the beauty of this is, is that Demi Tebow is the one who picked up the story and read it. And it went viral. And we also have a link to that story on our webpage as well. And you can see Demi going and meeting Ellie for the first time and just see, be able to see the beautiful transformation that love can make a difference in their lives. And, um, and Demi puts a crown on her head and a, a sash on her that she's strong and beautiful and loved because she wanted them to know their true identity of who they really are in Christ, that they're a daughter of the King. And they, what their world has been telling them that they are is not true because they are truly a daughter of the King. So it's a beautiful story. But we do have a video of uh, Demi Tebow and uh, meeting with Ellie. And so um, it's just great. a beautiful story of God's redemption. <sighs> Alan, wow. Susan, we could have you on for another three hours mm-hmm. sharing stories. We so enjoy um, hearing about what God is up to and we're so grateful to God for you and reaching out and helping these kids. It's it's such an amazing ministry that you have. And so we want to thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. And many blessings to you. You're always welcome to join us. In fact, we'd love to have you back sometime. We'd love that. It would that. be our pleasure. Thank you very much. 